Welcome to 3 In, 3 Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast. On 3 In, 3 Out, we like to dive deep into the micro moments of the game, the nooks and crannies, if you will, because that's what fanatics do. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter, at Clinton Bonn. And I'm joined by the great Brandon Schultz and find him at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. All right, Flock, let's dive into the sober yin and raging yang that is 3 In, 3 Out. Go Hawks. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of 3 In, 3 Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast out there. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner, and I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon, let's break it down simply. We're 8-3, and we go cross-country, we're on the road, we get the W, we're flying back home, and we're in first place by ourselves in the NFC West. And yet, how do you feel about yesterday's game and performance? Hey, it could have been prettier. I mean, I with the Seahawks are eight and three, Clinton. They they got the W. They you know, it was a good defensive performance. You hold them from that final touchdown, and you know, you look at the score. If it's under 10 points, you're feeling a whole lot better about this game. Yeah, okay, they could have you know put up some more offense. DK Metcalf could have caught a touchdown pass that went to him. All these things, they they could have made the night better. But I have to tell myself, just just be happy with what you have. And and we have a Seahawks team that is first place in the NFC West right now. Hard to complain when you're winning. That that's for darn sure. And, and the points are all salient and and sailing through through the brain there. And this is one of those games where I could give a damn about. I didn't bet a half a million dollars on the uh, you know Seahawks giving six and a half. So, yeah, it is. You know what? If you are upset today because you had the six and a half point spread and you lost that and and you're mad instead of happy that the Seahawks won, you're a gambling fan and not a Seahawks fan. Correct. Correct. And there's and there's little idiosyncrasies like that come into play with fantasy and all that stuff. But you got to you got to put those into compartments and just look at the game. Be like, all right, I'm with you. We 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 blew the doors off them. And if not for some, you know, a, a lame ref call a bad breakdown on the goal line for us earlier. And then you mentioned the drop. This is, this is a blowout. We, we, we trounced a, a far, far less superior team, just a, just a crappy team. You know, Wentz, I didn't watch a lot of Eagles heading into this. I listened to all the, the pre-podcasts that, that you had put out on, uh, you know, on field goals. And of course, uh, the Seahawkers uh, podcast. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm sure Wentz is not having a good year. So a little bit of him. And boy, oh boy, man. He's he's dreadful. He's really bad. And it's hard to take away besides like the, the the front four playing really well and getting six sacks, which really could have been more like nine or ten sacks. They had Wentz, you know, uh by the ankles a couple of times there. It could have been it could have been close to double digits in sacks. Wentz is really bad. So I don't know what to think about the DBs, though. It's like I can't judge that, but the front four did look pretty damn good. Well, Clinton, I may just have to tell you what to think about the DBs later in the show, but we we will get to it. Nice. We will. We will get to it. And just as one one other thing before we get into the, the nooks and the crannies, I brought this up weeks ago, and I do think that my my one big glaring, it's not an out because it's not an individual play that I could call on or like even like a segment of the game. However, there is something sitting there in, in Mama Mama Cleo's crystal ball here, Brandon, that I don't love. It's a little foggy and hazy for me. I talked about this. I brought this notion up 
I think it might have been six weeks ago or so, something like that. I do feel that Russ Potion number 14, Russell Wilson, he's really in love with DK Metcalf. And I get why. However, I still struggle with like when the Supersonics were amazing, it was Peyton and Kemp. And if you look at the box score and Kemp had 20 something points and Peyton wasn't involved, Supersonics didn't win those games. They, they, they were cooking when it was, you know, the glove getting his and Kemp being right where Kemp should be, which was like 17 points, 18 points, 11 rebounds, six, seven assists. I just feel that we are off kilter. We're off balance and three and three outs all about that balance. So before we get into the ins and outs, I did want to get your take on, am I, am I obsessing about Russ obsessing too much about DK, because it just feels off kilter to me. I think you are a little bit too much on on finding this particular set of of where the balance goes, because to me, this is just the opposite of the Arizona Cardinals game where you had Tyler Lockett with 15 receptions, 20 targets and DK Metcalf in that game with two catches and five targets. This this is just the reverse of that. Now, this is the, the DK Metcalf game. And ideally, I suppose you would want to have a situation where it it balances out relatively equally. But I look at these guys and I see Tyler Lockett with 70 receptions on 92 targets. So more than DK. DK has 58 catches. He's gone over a thousand yards now already. So I think now we just need Tyler to catch up in the yards department and the Seahawks can have their first pair of thousand yard receivers since the, the Blades Galloway days. I like it. I like I like that you you brought me back to center there because I was thinking about this quite a bit and I knew it wasn't going to be part too much of a like it's not an out like I said. I just have this 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 something's gnawed at me that were that were a little off kilter but I like that you centered it back and said, "You know what? Go look at the overall stats for the year and and stop the recency bias." Well, so and the other thing to think about too, I go back to last week and that hit that Tyler took on the hmm. sideline and you know there were those of us who saw that and weren't even sure if he was going to get up from that and knowing that he went into that game with a knee injury, he could have been out there on the field simply as you know a relative decoy and with the game plan being to not throw his way all that much. And so that just yeah. impresses me even more if that were the case for DK to have such a big day on Darius Slay. Yes, I'm with you there, Brandon. You know, Tyler, Tyler was he did look a little banged up. And again, maybe we'll cover some of that later as well. And for those that don't know three in, three out, we typically avoid the major topics. So we put them in the little preamble, but we'd like to get into those nooks, the crannies, the little idiosyncrasies, the micro moments of the game that make up the sober yin and the raging gang that is three in, three out. And really, on this wonderful broadcast, we cast aside everything. For instance, I barely wear pants. It's 2020, so why would I anyway? I'm not wearing pants right now. I'm bust up for for Brandon here, so what does it matter? However, with all the, the rules that we might cast aside, we do have one rule that we always stick to, and Brandon, it always escapes me. I'd love for you to tell the good listeners what is the one rule we have to have on three in, three out. Yes, there is one rule, and I know rules are important to you, and so I, I do like to dig back into pop culture history and remind us how we have important rules to to build off through many great films like a Philadelphia based film 
in Trading Places from 1983, the rule of the commodities exchange, Clinton, all accounts are to be settled at the end of the day's trading without exceptions. And uh, of course, that leads to one of the greatest climaxes in comedy history. And our rule, Clinton, and we may not have some great comedy climax in this show, but when we win, we start with an in. We start with it in. Sell, Winthorpe, sell! Okay, Brandon, so we do get to start with it in because we got the W, and that is that's the best rule that we have there. The only, really the only rule we care about. Uh, but we do get to start with this delicious first big juicy one here. And, and you know, I... I like to set the stage, whether it's a little Bob Ross and put the liquid white on the canvas and, and get us ready, you know, let the listeners really sink into the moment. So it's about 9.45 to go in the second quarter. Seattle's up seven to nothing. It's a third and two play, Brandon, where it's right after Miles Sanders has like basically like his best run of the day. I think it was first and 10, nothing, second and 10, and Miles actually gets like eight yards and sets up a third and short, which... The Eagles were not in third and short all that often because Wentz is just truly terrible. And now if you look at the play, Dunlap and Reed, they're going to get all the glory. This is a play where they, they end up stuffing uh, Sanders about you know two and a half yards short. If it's like a tackle for a loss, two and a half yards. However, the play is made at the line of scrimmage by Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is playing way, way up there. And when they showed the... Uh, the sideline, the you know, tight sideline shot later, you see him just take out, I think it was the right guard. It might've been the right tackle, but he takes out a, he takes out some big lumbering offensive lineman, takes his knees out and collapses every, any, any ounce of, of room that Sanders had to go at. Adams just collapses it by taking down, chopping down a much, much bigger man. Sanders can't go anywhere. And now we suddenly have a pretty damn good defense and Reed and Dunlap are there to just, you know, to tackle an elusive Sanders for that two and a half yard loss. They got to pump the ball again. It's just the idea for me that Adams is kind of everywhere. You know, we saw the sack. The sack was a great chase down and gets him by the ankles. How many of these kind of players are there that can go into the box, take down a big man, chop him down and really free up the other guys to go make a great play. There's not that many safeties that do that in the NFL. So giving the love, giving the big end to Adams nice and early, and I'm going to high you in that over to you. Just like, uh, what was it, LJ Collier, I think, had a, a nice uh, Hadouken moment in this game. Yeah, yeah. He thought he had the sack. That was like a half-yard gain, but he still did a really <laughs> nice Hayuken. I was I was a fan. So That impressed me, I think, more than the actual tackle that he had. So Yeah, because the tackle should have been the sack. But yeah, that's well, okay. That's, that's fine. Okay. Yes, it is. They fun. had six sacks, you know, it's I'm, I'm not complaining about not getting that particular one. But Jamal Adams in this game, I mean, how can you complain apart from his missed tackles in this game? How can you complain about <laughs> Jamal Adams play in the in the game against the Philadelphia Eagles? He led the team in stops. He had four stops. He had uh, two sacks by pro football focuses measure, which I think, you know, when they have a half sack, they give it to him. So it was a really nice day. It was actually, according to PFF, his best day in a Seahawks uniform. So really nice to see from Jamal in this game. And yeah, if he's taken on offensive linemen, that's the kind of safety play that kind of gives you a little bit of reminiscent back to the, the camp chancellor days when he's, you know, just bowling over right tackles and 
a very nice game from Jamal Adams. Yeah. And you bring up that second sack and, uh, you know, and for me, I, I, I watching the game, I, I thought he had at least one and a half. I'm like, okay, he looks like he's got at least one and a half. And then I was checking back later and I, I, it looked to me like the half, his other half sack kind of disappeared, which was weird. Yeah. I'm checking. I actually have him on, on a, an IDP league I play and I have Jamal Adams and he only, he's only credited with one sack, yeah. which was, which was just a little weird because I thought he had at least one and a half. And then when that half one disappeared, I was like, how is that possible? He was the first guy there. And uh, so anyway, I hope, I hope they course correct that. What does that bring him to? Six and a half, I think, on the year? Six and a half sacks, is that right? Uh, he is up to six and a half. Okay, so six and a half sacks and, and missing you know, quite a number of games. Uh, I, I know people keep saying, oh, you paid the first and the second. I, I, don't, I don't know about you. I don't care. Because then, you know what? I'll also put into, the, into that same tray that... What do we give up a Dunlap, a seventh and a backup center? Like, so if you start just putting these pieces together and what we give up for DJ Reed, who's a valuable player, you start putting these all together and it's like, all right, we gave up some lottery scratchers and we, we got some really good ballers and this team feels a lot better. And yeah, the attitude of Adams and the fired upness is, is, is what I gravitated to. So he gets that big first in and I'm loving it. The people that are upset about the two first round picks and the fact that Jamal Adams is only played and started in seven games this season. Uh, those those draft picks, neither of them have started any games this season. So, you know, in terms of productivity, Adams is way ahead of them. And you're not going to find a guy who, through seven games, has given you 12 quarterback hits, the six and a half sacks that you mentioned, seven tackles for a loss on the season. So I tried to go back in Seahawks history, you know, it averages those stats out to a full season. Or even, you know, look at some of his past seasons. It's already comparable with his 2019 season with the Jets. Try and find a guy with that many QB hits, that many tackles for a loss, that many sacks. And those players just don't exist. Which is nice because he does. He's a Seahawk and he's the first in. Okay, Brandon, so let's get to an out there. This game, I don't want to be a Pollyanna. I called it out in the preamble that... It just was a little bit off. It could have been a bigger blowout, of course. And, and this by, is the you know, perfect three-in, three-out game. It's You have plenty of, of nice things that are there to choose from. And then there's plenty of not-so-nice things that you can yeah. pick and choose from. There are some. There's definitely some warts. And, and one I want to go to early. And the thing is, uh, uh, some of these were like, to me, again, it's about, is it the player? Is it execution? Or is it a coaching decision and 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 where and where does this really lie so the first one i want to go to is early in the game it's it's just the it is this one's the play calling on first and goal on that on that first drive and it's the series there that just kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies this is the the point i want to bring up and discuss with you is we get down there we have number 32 he's playing in the first drive in fact he got the first touch of the game which got they call back on a holding but then they got to kind of do the same exact play, but on the flip side, and he goes and gets 10 yards and a little dump off. Carson looked good. Carson looked really good. We get down there and it's the Carlos Hyde show. And it's, there's, there's no Carson. It's Hyde. Okay. Russ overthrows Metcalf once again in the end zone. Tough play because he just, he just literally couldn't get it over a much bigger guy. Had to put it up there. That's fine. And then the fourth down play was just kind of silly season, just like just didn't make didn't make a lick of sense whatsoever. But my big out there is like, okay, 
if you say Carson's a full go, then why is he not a full go? If he's in on the first drive, then why is he not in on the first goal line freaking opportunity? Right. He's by far the best back on the team. He showed it again. And some other players were looking like they were in slow motion, but not Carson. He looked good from, from Jump Street. So was it just super conservatism? Are they afraid he's dinged still? Like, I, I don't get it. And it's like, I'm kind of tired of the lies. Like, if he's healthy, then play the dude. He's our best guy. You're on the goal line. Give the friggin' ball to number 32. Yeah, I don't think that Pete Carroll is going to come out and say, you know, we had him on a certain set number of, of snap counts going into this game. But I, I have to think that that was the case. And when I look at the snap counts for the game, Chris Carson at an even 25, you had Carlos Hyde with 41. So Hyde out snapping Chris Carson. But I think what you're saying is the problem with that is, okay, if you have him on a a 25, a strict 25 snap count for this game, because you want to work him in back from the injury, then use him in the area where it's where you need to score points. And if you're, first and five and you have four plays to get in the end zone and you know because you have to know with how that drive set up that you're going to go for it on fourth down and and the other thing was the clock management issues that Mm -hmm. they had on that that very first drive and Pete Carroll took the the blame for that which you know you can only take the blame for it so many times before you start saying well when are you going to fix the problem rather than continuing to take blame for it but first and five, have Carson in there, down on the goal line. When you run the ball, I want to see him run it twice rather than Carlos Hyde. I mean, and you hit the exact number two. It's like, I get it. You're going to throw there. And if you're going to throw, maybe throw on first down, you know, like do, do some play action on first down. Two, if you're going to take four attempts at the goal line, and I like going for it. I have no problem. I liked going for it. And the, the drive after this, where, where we get stuff too, I think it's the right call. I like the mindset of going for it in those situations. That's that's not the issue. But you hit the exact number. Two out of those four, 50% of those touches right there, if should be Carson. Feed the guy that is really, really good at lowering his head and getting those two to three yards and falling forward consistently. He's very, very good at that. And uh, that was just really disappointing. And the number 25 it just seems a little too neat to be like, oh, right. we, we wrapped you. I mean, maybe it's just a coincidence, maybe. But that seems pretty darn neat to be like, we're going to put you on this pitch count. Now, overarchingly, if that's a word, I get it. We're playing a much worse team. We're on the road. We're bringing him back after a pretty severe sprained foot. So I'm not anti the pitch count per se, uh, but it, you framed it up beautifully. The most valuable touch scenarios – the lift you get from getting him back in the end zone. It's not, it's not just, oh, I think he's the best guy to score. That's a big portion of it. But going forward, Carson's going to be the guy. We, I talked about this quite a bit. It's getting colder. We play no more games until potentially the playoffs uh, in a dome. These are all outside, outside games. Unless it's San Francisco get- stays in Arizona for that final game. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> Good, good point. Good point. I, I, I never put anything uh, past California when it comes to, uh, you know, banning contact sports. I, you know what? If Did- I, 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 I know I railed on gamblers uh, and being a gambling fan. If I had a half a million dollars to put down 
I would put it down on us playing our final game of the season in Arizona against San Francisco. Yeah, I think I, I, I'd, uh, I'd double, I'd double down with you on that one because it's just, it's just too funny to not happen. Right. So, but, but that's, but that is, that to me is that first out there. And I know it's a big thing. People are talking about the play calling and I want to kind of put that under the microscope and, and really dissect that further. And it's, it is that disappointment that we, we want Carson there, but it's not just what we want. I think, you know, the, the, the Seahawks bench wants Carson there. I think the Seahawks offensive line wants Carson there. And I think we've missed an opportunity to get that lift by giving, you know, our, our modern beast, the ball there, we will have more opportunities. I'm happy he's back. He looked friggin' amazing on that, on his 16 yard touchdown run, but he also looked good on his other runs. He averaged like five yards a carry. Yep. What do you have? Eight, eight carries, 41 yards. The dude looked sharp. He looked good. So that's how we take the out and we spin it to the positive and say, you know what? Carson's back and he looked damn good. Carson looks good. Even though you're podcasting without pants, Clinton, you look good. And, you know, our our good friend Chuck Woolery always look good. Going to commercial two and two after the break. Nice. The old two and two. All right, Brandon, we are back on the the fun, the rage, the raging yang side of the ledger, the inn again, painting the picture. It's 17 to nine, the start of Q4. KJ Wright gets the batted down. He gets once again, it's about some dudes get the glory before we're talking about Dunlap and Reed getting the glory. But it was really Adams who cut down the cherry tree that enabled the play. You know what? KJ Wright, he gets the beautiful glory of that batted down play on fourth down. But, but was it second or third down? I, I my, my notes are a bit fuzzy. But in that series, with the end I want to give and the love I want to give is to Puna Ford. Puna, once again, stood out. And we talked about this. When you give these character actors, you know, maybe, maybe they're not the lead guy, but when you give them some studs around them and you get healthy, boy, oh boy, do, do these character actors come out and shine. And, and are they there to, to kind of uh, put their best foot forward for like the, uh, the best supporting actor award, if you will, in, in, that, in that analogy? He had a play, Brandon, you'll probably tell me if it was second or third down, but he stands up his dude, sheds his guy, and he eats. He just stops. I think it was Sanders. It might have been Scott. It doesn't even freaking matter. But he stops one of those two dudes dead in their tracks. And he just, he, he is a monster in the middle. And I had tweeted out at that time that, you know, Puna Ford is like Galactus. He just eats, he eats these running backs like they're planets. And it was so beautifully done. Puna looked good throughout the day, but that play just before KJ gets that bat down, man, oh man, did he look good there. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Ford. And again, that ensemble, that new ensemble cast that's led by Dunlap, it allows dudes like Reed and Puna to shine. So loving what I saw from Puna. He's getting it in this time around. Yeah, Puna Ford was definitely one of the standout guys on defense on Monday night. And it was him. It was Adams. You had Dig showing up in a couple spots as well. Puna Ford, he had, he had one stop on the day. I think that might have been the play specifically that you were talking about. I'm not going to tell you with whether it was second or third down because I don't remember. But... Uh, just on the day as a whole, you looked at Puna Ford, the way he was playing, shedding blocks and and chasing down quarterbacks when they're getting outside the pocket. I love the speed that I saw from Puna Ford in this game. Yeah, and that's a great, a great way to uh, to frame it. He's, you know, 
He's not going to win a 40-yard dash race against most dudes. However, his side-to-side mechanicisms, uh, again, if that's a word, but his ability to shed and then get down the line uh, when he has to, is it's impressive. It is impressive. So just loving what I'm seeing from Ford. And again, I love the fact that we got these characters that I think if you're not a Seahawks fan, if you're not like a really deep fan of the NFL, and if you're not a Seahawks fan, you probably don't know who the heck Puna Ford is still. You know, you might you might have heard him a couple times here or there. Maybe he sacked your quarterback. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy had a sack on us. But you don't really know Puna Ford. But we're here for that. We're here to bring bring those kind of dudes to the forefront because those, those are the type of fellas that that create the type of team that could have that deep playoff run. And, and I'm fired up. I'm just fired up for Puna. I, oh, you know, I want to give, I want to give a quick shout out to Flocktimus Prime. So Keith Ketover, he put up a question of like, he's like, Hey, I need to get a new Jersey. He's like, I'm thinking of getting a new Jersey, an action green Jersey. And he's, he was tossing all sorts of different names around. One name I didn't hear him toss around was he didn't say, maybe I'll get a Puna Ford Jersey. So so you Keith, know what, Flocktivus, he may already have a Puna Ford jersey. I, I would not put that past him. And that, that it may was, be why. And I, I love the the call out again for Ford because, I mean, it's it's just really the complimentary play of the defensive line in this game. You had Ford with three pressures. You had Reed with three pressures. Rasheem Green, Benson Mayoa, you know, and then you add in Carlos Dunlap, who hopefully he's not significantly hurt. But all of those guys all had three pressures. And all of them had a sack on the day. So I, I love how they, they spread it around to the different defensive linemen, getting pressure from different places. Then you had Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright also having three pressures. KJ having a sack in there as well. Bobby nearly having a sack where he just came speeding in and and just couldn't quite break. I, he, I think he came in too hot and, and couldn't take <laughs> down Carson Wentz. So um, just nice to see, though, so much pressure from from so many different areas of the defensive line. Much pressure and too hot in the hot tub. It was it was a beautiful thing to see. All right, Brandon, we're gonna we're gonna roll into this next out. And all right, I can sense the tomatoes flying at my head already from from Twitter on this one. So I'm just gonna come out and and lay it on the man. I know I'm gonna get yelled at, Brandon. I'm preempting this and that bomb to DK down the left hand side. The first play of the second half to take the top off the game. He beats Slay badly, badly. And for some reason, and I, you know, just something was going on in his brain where DK was thinking, all right, this is going to be a 50-50 ball and I need to I need to get into position with Slay. He basically blows past Slay and then really decides to kind of you know, kind of go into neutral and run stride for stride for him, thinking it's going to be a 50-50 ball. If he just trusts Russ and he just goes, he catches that ball with about a body and a half uh, of separation in stride for a 75-yard touchdown. I know it's like, well, how do you give the dude an out? He had 177 yards. You know what? I don't care. I'm giving the dude, DK's got to wear that, man. And the reason is, trust that you have the best deep ball thrower in the game. The sexy deep ball from Wilson was there and we didn't get it. And that's why he's got to take the out. I think what DK was doing there is something that will hopefully pay dividends for him in the future, because it's a play that you see from Tyler Lockett so often where he he checks up 
you give the DB a little bit of a check with your shoulder or your elbow, and then you create separation to make the catch. And he just didn't need to do it in this situation. He had, he had the steps on him. He he could have caught it in stride. So I he definitely didn't need to to make that move, and it ultimately cost him from making a big catch and what would have helped the Seahawks put this game away. So yes, I I'm not even going to get mad at you, Clinton, for for the game that DK had that play. It it could have made it a whole lot better for him. Yeah, I I think it's appropriate. Much like when I gave KJ Wright the out a couple weeks back. Now I know that DK Metcalf, he's going to hear this. It's going to motivate him. And just like KJ Wright's just balled out these last two games, we're, we're going to see even bigger and better things now from DK. I like that. I'm I'm the Jim Schwartz of the podcast world here, right? And uh, and I can see your Schwartz is as, as big as mine because I'm we're both laying it out to DK. And, you know, I we do like to, in wins, we like to talk about outs and kind of morph them. He had the, he had the over-the-shoulder boulder holder catch for 50-something yards down to the one-yard line. He had that, the one-arm bandit, oh my gosh, where he was locked up and he catches it with one, one friggin' hand that comes down on the sidelines on the floater later in the game. So uh, taking away nothing from all of that, and it's not, it's not greed, right? This is not Gordon Gecko, greed is good. This is simply, my gosh, this dude could be, you know, 200 freaking yards a game and multiple touchdowns if a couple of these things just keep on clicking. And with all that, you know, the dudes, uh, you know, you, you pair him up against like literally Rice, Megatron, Randy Moss. And it's like, yeah, he's if not right there, he's actually ahead of some of the all time greats. So the outs, it's kind of an in. But and we want DK just to the big thing there is trust Russ. DK, when you have ludicrous speed on, on the gear shift, you go into ludicrous speed, you stay there, you don't come out of it, and that's why you're wearing the out. That's it. Let's take this last in and let's get the plaid. Okay, Brandon, last in. So we were just talking about DK, and I, I wrote this one down earlier as well. Hey, man, first we give it, then we take it away, or maybe vice versa on this one. Early first drive, I love that Metcalf is like a 1970s Earl Campbell dude who happens to play wide receiver. I love that he gets the ball and seeks out contact. I love that dudes bounce off of him. I love that after the play, he's last week, he gets right in the face of a dude who's twisting Lockett's leg, and he's right there as, as the tough guy. You know, and when I say tough guy, I mean like legitimate tough guy enforcer like you would see in hockey doing his role there. And we saw him chip away at the Eagles to the point where they were taking dumb penalties. I love his aggressiveness. So as we just talked about, you know, an out on a, you got to trust Russ, I'm going to swing it right back and be like, you know what? DK has that right sharp mentality. It came out so, and it is so nice when it comes out in the first drive. We get him a ball, a little slant, and dudes are bouncing off of him and he's and he's punishing guys trying to tackle him. That to me, again, it's all about tone setting. We talk about it all the time on three and three out. He sets tones in a way that very few offensive dudes can set a tone, especially wide receivers. You don't see wide receivers who can set a tone like that and be that physical. So the end goes right back to DK. And I, and I just like, I'm passing it over to you. You can't be mad at him long, can you? And, uh... No, no, I could. It was what? It was like 22 seconds and I'm back to, uh, back to the love fest. Yeah, that, uh, that first catch of his over the middle 
where he picked up 13 yards and the first down. And I think it was Alex Singleton of the yes. Eagles who hit him and bounced off. And it just reminds me of Tecmo Bowl as you're going down the uh, <laughs> you, you, you have the the guy with the ball and you're just slamming that B button, just hoping that that you hit it at just the perfect time. And the dude's just going to bounce off of you. And, and that's what DK Metcalf reminds me of. So I do like the physical play. I like that even on blocks, he's getting into the head of Darius Slay. And then he has, you know, number 97 coming up. Malik Jackson on the next play, giving him another first down, down to the five yard line. It's that kind of play that it's getting into the heads of an opponent. Like you saw just uh, against the Cardinals, you know, it came at a key time. And you never know when those types of plays that's going to make the difference in the game. Yeah. And I don't think he's a D bag. You know, I don't think he's like, I don't think <laughs> I he's know cheap. that he's not. <laughs> Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he's like a cheap player. Oh, yeah. I think he I think he's just so much more physical and just gets into their brains and their hearts so quickly because there's very little you can do when you're opposing him. And and again, from a wide receiver to be able to to kind of change a game like that, that's a diva position. That's not a position that you often can say, yeah, man. We can out physical a team with our wide receiver. It's just a unique, it's like you have a chessboard and then all of a sudden you've got like this flying dragon piece that's not, you know, common on the, uh, on the chess, you know, table, but you get to use that and the other team doesn't. It's kind of nice to have our flying dragon and, and that is DK. And I do want to give some love to Ron Pepper too. We're not at the from the flock section yet, but Ron in the uh, Seahawkers pod ring of honor on Facebook, he brought this up and it was like, he was calling out this tonality and calling out this aggressiveness from DK. So Ron, great call out. And I wanted to weave that right in here. So I didn't forget it. Good job, Ron. All right, Brandon, last out and this week's three in three out. I brought it up a little bit earlier that I was like, are these individual players that are kind of missing? Is this a coaching decision? Are they putting them in some weird spots? This one I'm gravitating towards like, I think the coaches kept putting David Moore in some really bad spots, specifically given he doesn't look healthy. You know, it just it's it's just like, okay, we're gonna run that little pop sweep, kind of a jet sweep, but it would be a pass. He does, he looks like he's, you know, people had said he's running in quicksand, clearly on the punt return. To, you know, it's kind of like the road runner when he, he takes like forever to like, you know, go, 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 go. But there was no takeoff. There was no like he just he couldn't get into first gear. And it's not like we haven't seen David Moore do that. He's been great in space. He's been shifty. He's been quick. He's been a good punt returner. So I got to look at that and just scratch my head and be like, wait a second. Couldn't those touches have been Freddie Swain's? And couldn't we give the guy a week or two off against a, a really ter terrible opponent? And I'll just frame it one more way too. If we're going to be conservative and put Carson on a on a pitch count and not use Carson in, in what are the the most valuable situations, and yet we're kind of going to you know do David more dirty and and put him out there where clearly I just don't think the dude's healthy. Isn't that a bit you know a bit hypocritical from the coaches right there also? Yeah, and that's where I was going to go with it, too. The idea that David Moore had 24 snaps on the day and Carson only had 25. Clearly, one of these guys was more healthy than the other, and it was Chris Carson. And you want to scale that back in terms of David Moore or not even have him out there at all. Now, the touchdown catch by him, a fade pass actually working and David yeah. Moore going up there and getting it. Yes, that was 
That was nice Beautiful. to see. And, and probably the situation to where if that's as healthy as he is, maybe the ideal situation for him in that particular case, not on those screen passes to the outside, not the little shovel pass at the goal line, not being back there on punt returns. And I will give credit a little bit to David Moore in this game because I even I had a play by him on the inside of my ledger, Clinton. And that was after the second three and out by the Eagles, which was their second possession of the game. They punted uh, away and yes. the, the ball comes up relatively short in terms of the punt. And Trey Flowers has his back to the ball. Ultimately, David Moore ended up getting Trey Flowers blocked into him. If Moore's not up there running to catch that football, Trey Flowers, that ball may have bounced off of him and into the hands of an Eagles special teamer. So uh, I give some credit in this game to David Moore for coming up big in that moment on, on that punt catch. That's a great call out. Not, not good, not mediocre. It's a fantastic call out. And it's something that I actually uh, forgot to jot down and, and remembered it vividly. Cause at the moment I was like, that's a hell of a play because he's running into like uh, a crowded house there. Yeah. You know, it's really tight packed too. They're kind of like all around him within, within like five yards to either way, even like two yards to either way. And he, and he's, running fairly full speed and he still comes down with the ball clean where 100% Brandon, I was like, man, if that thing bounces, who the heck knows what happens? I mean, it's, it's probably a good 60, 40, uh, you know, that it's going to, it's going to ding a Seahawk and, and then it, then it's a loose ball and then who, who knows what happens from there. So really good call out. David Moore is an important part of this team. He's shown that he's, he's shown that. And I think the dude's got to get got to get healthy. Obviously, they they put Reed back there later in the game with with the punt returns when they probably just saw the same thing we were seeing. And I get it; these dudes are hyper hyper competitive. They work all week and they don't want to miss a game. They don't want to miss a snap. So I get it, and I get that a coach is going to trust their guy and be like, you know what, eighty percent more is going to be you know better than uh, than hundred percent Swain right now. I get that mentality. With all that, we're playing a crappy team. That's a dude who could take take a week off and go get right. And by the way, this is this is just a a backdoor way of me still holding out hope that we get to see John Ursua play <laughs> play and get called up and get you know it's not happening. It's not oh, happening. It's it, but it might. Uh, yeah, I think our our likelihood of seeing Josh Gordon uh, on the field in a game is more likely than John Ursua at this point. But I well, just want to make a note here, Clinton. That I was able to turn around your out on David Moore into an in a whole lot quicker than you were able to turn your out on DK Metcalf into an in. So I hope that hyper competitiveness comes into play and DK takes note of that. And again, it lights that fire going into next week. Well, the thing is, they, they all listen. We know this, right? They all listen. Well, they they, write they us. wait to see who got the MVC. I know that's a critically important award that everyone wants to have up in their locker every week. Listen, there's the Angry Birds scepter from Kyle Brandt. Okay, sure. That might be, there's the toe drag swag from Nate. Okay, those might be one and one A. But the MVC is, it's, you know, it's the, it's the little engine that could. It's, it's making its way into the folklore. And before you know it, people are going to be like, who, you know, they're going to be really rallying to see who got the MVC this week. And we will get there. We will get to the MVC. However, Brandon, we developed 2020 was a year for it needed innovation. We need more connectivity. We need to increase our Hawkra. And this is one of the ways we do it as fanatics, as 12s. And this year we decided that not only when the Seahawks win do we start with it in, 
but we also have a bonus in that you get to serve up that we call the brand in. I don't know what you're going to say. It's become one of my favorite segments and I'm all like Dr. Frazier Crane. I'm listening. I, I feel like I was more committed to that David Moore in than I was to uh, the, my actual brand in this week, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I heard you talking about the defensive backs earlier, Clinton. I think they need a little bit of credit in this game because my in this week is going to a pair of defensive backs that are part of the one yak club. Yes, one yard after catch in this game. There were two guys who did it. It was Shaquille Griffin coming back from injury and opposite him. It was Trey Flowers only one yard after the catch. And they didn't even give up a ton of catches on the day. Griffin gave up two catches, one to Goddard, one to Fulgham. So one of those guys wasn't even a wide receiver. Two catches, 14 yards. Yes, one was a touchdown for Griffin. But on the other side, you had Trey Flowers, and he was going up against Alshon Jeffrey, who, you know, at one point in this uh, career of his was a pretty good wide receiver, enough to get a nice contract from the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's going up against Trey Flowers. Two catches, 15 yards for Alshon Jeffrey. Flowers also gives up a catch to Fulgham. But yes, just one yard after the catch for both these guys. So ends to Flowers and Griffin. I like the double dragon one yak club right there. That's <laughs> that's kind of neat. I would not have been able to pull that stat. So I'm, I'm happy you did. I love the brand in. And it was and it's another nice game for Flowers, right? Like it was like, OK, another game where Flowers was. Good. Yeah, you want that. Yeah, and I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Good, good, good's better than bad for sure. <laughs> but and with that, you know, I mean the, the Eagles do not stretch the field. Wentz, Wentz is doo-doo. We we know we know all this. But whatever, you still gotta go play against uh premier athletes and do your job. And and he he looked good. Well, and when you and think back to the games where they're playing so far off of the receivers. That, yes. you know, to, to hold them to just one yard after the catch when you're giving them six, seven yards of space to make the catch, make a move, potentially miss the tackle. That didn't happen in this game. So I think that needs to be rewarded. And so much of the time during this game, I was like just scanning, you know, just scanning down the line. For the most part, they were right up at the line with those guys, like over and over and over. And, you know, maybe it's just, hey, with with Wentz. He's inaccurate. So if, he, if we get beat deep, it's going to be 2080 that he throws an accurate ball, you know, past 20 yards, whatever, whatever, whatever that is. Like that's, that's the Eagles problem, not, not our problem. Like they're the ones who gave Wentz that ridiculous contract. And with that, they were up there jamming. They were up there jamming at the line. And I thought it was lovely to see. And, you know, we're, we're entering this part of our schedule where we're not exactly going to see a murderer's row of quarterbacks the next five weeks. You can make the argument the best quarterback we're going to see is Goff, and that might be... And it might be Mullins. And it might be Mullins, and it could be Alex Smith. Like, you know, like, because it's not Colt McCoy, and it's certainly not Darnold or Flacco. Uh, so, you know, it's it, it, it's one of those dudes. So we have our opportunity just, to just kind of still get right. The Dunlap injury, I know we don't know much yet. I know it's a sprained foot. You brought it up on your post game on the field goals one that you're like, you know what? It's maybe it's one thing that a sprained foot for a running back is, yes, yeah, several weeks, but maybe a sprained foot for a guy that that doesn't have to do what a running back does. Maybe hopefully it's just like a week or two. I hope it's a much, much simpler diagnosis or a shorter, shorter time frame for Dunlap to get back. And I know we don't know that yet, 
but I'm just bullish. I think this team has become, you know, a pretty good defense. And, and if you hearken back to what we said a couple of weeks ago, we're like, let's check in later. Let's check in now that we got snacks, now that we got Dunlap, now that we got Adams coming back, now that we're getting our, our cornerbacks back healthy. You know, I just had a feeling six, seven weeks ago that this would be an okay defense. And I, and I, hope, I hope it continues to shake this way because I'm feeling pretty good about it. Okay, Brandon, we mentioned the MVC earlier. For those that don't know, that is the most valuable cranny. You know, it could be the NVN, but that doesn't sound as good as MVC. So the most valuable cranny for me, Brandon, I got to go back to the big man, Puna Ford, standing his guy up, destroying the big tackle for a loss or tackle at the line, just his overall play. Those, again, those are the plays before the splash plays, right? That's before KJ gets the batted, the batted ball on fourth down. It's in that same series. Those are the micro moments that make up three in, three out, and the ones we cherish. So Puna, be on the lookout. It'll be in your in your locker soon. You'll see the MBC trophy. And please uh, share it on Twitter, would you? Absolutely. Because, you know, Puna Ford, he has that Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year award. And, and this would just go so nicely paired with that award just hanging up in his locker. Imagine a big 12 defensive player of the year not getting drafted. Defensive lineman like, of the year, even. Yeah. Defensive line. Okay. Oh, f- sure. Oh, defense. Still, still. The Big 12 is not exactly, uh, you know, it's not It's not a joke. Yeah, there's yeah, some the pretty good players is, in the Big 12. Yeah, some pretty good you know, teams. And, and that kind of a player not getting drafted. How did that happen? How did, how did we get Puna without drafting the guy? All hail Schneider. That's all I can say on that one. That's amazing. All right, so we're hailing John Schneider, deservedly so. He's he's kind of put, maybe it took a little longer than people expected, but he's he's put a pretty good team together. We are eight and three. We are in first place in, in our division. And we like to celebrate that with, you know, not only giving you our ins, our outs, our brand ins, our MBCs, all the magical innovations from, from this year in 2020, but we also like to dive into the from the flock section when you get your voice heard on this podcast and there's a couple of different ways that people can contribute. So, Brandon, why don't you tell the good people how can they get involved and, and what are what are the ways that are like, you know, the best ways? Yeah, if you want to interact with the show, you can always tweet at Clinton Bond and at me at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. Use the hashtag 3i30. Get your tweets read on the show. But, you know, if you want to get more involved, you can be a part of our Slack channel and you can donate at $3 a month and more at getintheflock.com that way on game day you got a place you could you got a channel right there where you can have your ins and outs you direct them right to clinton there or you can even be a part of our seahawkers podcast facebook group and interact every single day donate getintheflock.com 12 dollars and above gets you there so lots of different ways to be involved with this show be involved with the other shows be involved interacting with other seahawks fans lots of fun and uh, it's not just on game day. No, it is not. And it's not every day that I get to correct you. It is every every podcast you get to correct me because I say some dumb, dumb things. <laughs> uh, you had said the Slack channel. It's actually the Discord oh, channel. Oh, yes. So yeah, we did we, Slack last we year. That was, that was so 2019. L- listen, here's the thing. You, you guys did Slack last year and that set them on a, on, you know, on a path to be acquired by Facebook today for $27.7 billion. <laughs> Not bad. They should kick where, some of that where back. Where's my, where's my cut of that? This is what I'm saying. Hey, hey, Benioff. Hey, Benioff, stop building towers and send some freaking money to Brandon and Adam, would you? For crying out loud. 
So when Discord goes public for you know thirty-two billion dollars, once again kick some money back to uh, to the go go to getintheflock.com and send a little love this way. Come on. While we're waiting for the millionaires and billionaires, we'll, we'll recognize some of the people that, you know, the common folks, much like you and me, Clinton, who just are Seahawks fans, watch Seahawks football and uh, get involved in this crazy sport every week. And we start off with a familiar name, Schmick at Mickey Swank on Twitter, starting with an out. And it is for the lackluster first offensive quarter. Schmick says it's slow, sloppy and completely ineffective, aside from a couple DK slants. Bad calls and even worse execution, giving them the out. And yes, for for a game where they moved the ball well in the first quarter and to come away with zero points, very disappointing way to start this game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but Schmick is always out there doing good by us. And it will, we'll give him another quick one real quick because he does have it in and says, got to give Myers some love. We didn't talk about Myers one bit. He says he's been clutch this entire year. Mickey, you're, you're right about that, man. Myers, I mean, not knock on whatever you knock on, knock on wood. Myers has been good. Myers has been just, he's there. He's, uh, he, you just, we keep about- trying to jinx him every time he, he comes up yes. to make a kick. Oh, Myers is perfect on the season. Yeah. yeah thanks. And, he, and, he, <laughs> and he, we talk about trust in Russ. Well, we got to trust Myers too. And obviously Schmick does. B-Wag's biceps comes in with an in, giving it to the hands team. And I, DK Metcalf coming up big after they get the touchdown, they get the two-point conversion. You got the hands team on the field, and they are able to ice the win for the Seahawks. Yep, that was a, that was a, a nice job to uh, just to put it away. It's 2020, so if your team is going for an onside kick, trying to get it back with like six seconds after a freaking Hail Mary to two-point conversion, whatever. It, it's, it is what it is. But, you know, Thomas Stewart coming in from Twitter, Thomas Stewart, 72. Uh, he's been out there a couple of weeks in a row now. I want to give him some love for being a you know fairly new listener. He's got an out also. He's talking about the Seahawks offensive play calling in the fourth quarter being an out. And this was one of those things where it was, it didn't feel as good as it could have felt. And there were just times where it's like, wait, don't we want to don't we want to throttle a team like this? Don't we want to beat a team like this and make it 27 to nine? Don't we want to just, just, just demolish this team and put, put out any glimmer of hope that's freaking possible. Uh, and we just, we didn't do it again. Of course we get the W, but it's, you know, I think we all just want that step on the throats when we can. And I think Thomas was calling that out, uh, this time on Twitter. Yeah. I think it was the second to last offensive drive for the Seahawks where, they got to midfield after Tyler Lockett gets the defensive pass interference. And I think you were calling this out, Clinton. Stop running to the left because it was Chris Carson to the left for minus two. Russell Wilson to the left for minus two. Then on third and 14, what do they do? They hand it off to Carlos Hyde, who goes to the left for minus three. So three straight plays. Uh, and yes, they were able to take a good, you know, two and a half minutes off the clock. The Eagles, you know, even if they do get the onside kick, they're looking at 12 seconds on the clock. So the, so those seconds and minutes could have come in and been important ultimately. But at the time, you're saying, yes, put this game away. Yeah, we got, we got the offense. Put it away. And also, again, it's not about like this game. It's about momentum. It's about getting that crispness back and getting, getting sharper. And, you know, I, I know we're going to – we look at the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs just – buried is when they have a chance they just bury teams they they just bury them and we're, we're just not 
doing that now. However, I know we can. I know it's all there. We've seen it earlier in the year. And, you know, again, we're, we're eight and three. We're flying home. We get the big W. It's, it's all good. Christopher Rolfe comes in with another out for Metcalf. He says, I know he had a really great game, but when I look at the cranny here, he dropped easy TDs and back-to-back games now. He needs to clean that up. And we did talk about that earlier. And in the spirit of 3-I, 3-O, he does come right back and says, into Carson. Welcome back, buddy. That TD run was something else. I would call it beast mode-esque. And that what Carson not only, you know, looked shifty he also looked he looked really like fast from like zero to to full you know he looked really really fast hitting the holes decisive and then when he had to bowl dudes over to get into the end zone well lo and behold he's still really really good at that bwag's biceps back in sorry but out to all the whining when we're eight and three top of the division defense letting up nine real points Winning is winning, and it kind of, I think it goes to a little bit what Jamal Adams was talking about in the press conference. Like A lot of people bringing up critical questions that, yes, that's important to do for our, our Seahawks beat writers. Jamal Adams, he's in, in the mode for celebrating because he's been on a team with losing seasons back to back to back with the Jets. This is the first time he's been on a team that's won eight games and is looking at the playoffs, so... Definitely Jamal Adams. He, he he knows what losing is like, and he is celebrating the winning. Yes, and, and winning is better than losing. And to keep the winning going, we're going to go with the in from Slopez7597 in the Discord. He goes in, KJ reacting to any screen or a screen-like object. It is just now known to all that KJ Wright, he really hates screens, and he will demolish screens every chance he gets. And if something even remotely resembles it, he's still there. So we're talking like, man, oh man, KJ just, he's just like Mr. Consistency. You know, this is two plus years ago. We're like, ah, oh, is KJ over the hill? No, he's still really, really good at football. And that's really, really good for us. And I do want to call out, I didn't send this one to you. I forgot to I want to give some love to Decaf Metcalf fan club. That is of course, Lisa in Seattle in the, in the discord she gives a couple of ins real quick. She says, Jason Money Myers, giving the in there. She's also calling out the in for getting good pressure from the interior of the defensive line. Those are some nice subtle crannies from, from Lisa in Seattle. So good job getting the buttery nooks, the buttery crannies and calling out the interior pressure because that is what a good defensive line does. Not just a player, but a good defensive line, good defensive unit. And let me credit properly Jake Burdine who had the three give up plays in a row as an out and the, the call back to what I was talking about earlier about the, the three runs to the left. Yes. Good call out there. Jake, Jake was on that as well. I got one last one to, to hit up here. It's, it's a simple one. It's from Hong Kong Hawk. And he says, we start with an in, which, which we did, Brandon. We started the day with an in. We started this episode with an in. We are eight and three. We're still in this rather soft patch. We get to go back to Seattle. The Giants got to come all the way across the country. I don't know, Brandon, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good that we're going to keep, keep riding this. What are you, what are you expecting as we, as the G-men come, come all the way to the uh, Pacific Northwest? Well, you know, I think I'm going to answer your question with another in from Hong Kong Hawk, because he says, New York Giants, New York Jets, Washington. Then he calls them the Arizona 49ers. (laughs) <laughs> and then he says, lambs at home. 
12 and four at the very worst. And yes, when you look at that stretch and the, and the Seahawks having the easiest schedule of all the NFL teams going down the stretch, really, they should have it in their minds to win out, have it be playoff football from here on out, get ready for the playoffs in that way and, and ramp it up with that mentality of, of beating teams that really you should beat. And they're not going to talk that way, but fans, yes, we talk that way. And we know that is the proper mentality going into these last few games. So win those games, close out the division and get in the playoffs. That is a lovely way to close this out here. I am thinking I was the mama Cleo, but you and Hong Kong Hawk, you got the sexy deep crystal balls. You guys are calling for winning out, and I love it. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.